1: Back to the Larkcast. Good to be back. It feels like it feels like forever for me. I know that we put these out every week, uh, but some weeks we record two back to back, and we'll go a couple of weeks without recording. So being back yeah, in man. the saddle and recording this podcast, it's good to be back. Thank you, uh, on behalf of us too. My name's Tony. My partner in crime here, Russ. Thank you for giving us the time of day. And for taking time out of your day to listen to us Yahoos talk about the scandalous <laughs> love of God. So thank you. Really, seriously. I I'm yeah. I'm thankful no, I, and I have a lot of gratitude to our listeners and, and supporters. Yeah, man. It's definitely an honor. So I don't know if you want to jump right into it today or if you want to bat around, if you know if you want to kick around something, something funny at all. I don't have anything. Usually we have a little banter
0: ahead of time, but I don't have anything for us today. Yeah. Some people ask me if we do that on purpose. And I'm like, not really. We, we normally just get, we, we start recording and we wind up just laughing about something <laughs> and uh, it just makes its way in. But, uh, no, man, I I, was, I I was up pretty late last night, just reading through some things and up early this morning through the parable today is it's, uh, it's, it's a bit of a challenge, man. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and say that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's known as uh, the hardest, the hardest parable. Yeah. Um, there's this. Uh, I was I, as I was researching, I came across this quote from this dude named uh, Rudolf Boltman. He's a 20th century German Lutheran theologian, New Testament professor. <laughs> here's here's his quote about this parable. This parable is incomprehensible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, it's funny how that works. You're like, man, I don't, I don't want to read. I want to read what the dead dudes have to say about this. And then you go find somebody that's like respected. And he's like, yeah, this one's incomprehensible. Move
1: on. We have no idea <laughs> what this means. So well, I, I will say for, uh, for everybody, we're not going to say that we know more than, more than everybody. We are kind of armchair. No. We're armchair theologians at best pub pub theologians, two beers in theologians. Um, we, yeah. we, we are not respect- good at it though. We're not respectable, <laughs> smart, smart, educated people um, at all. But uh, so we're not, we're not here to say definitively what this parable means in its entirety, because there are a lot of challenges with it, but we are here to explore what this parable would mean if we interpret it immediately in, in light of its immediate context. Cause if you'll yeah. remember the parable we have today is in Luke 16 in Luke 15 is the shepherd and the lost sheep leaving the 99 for the one, the widow who tears apart her house for the lost coin. And then you have what is popularly known as the prodigal son or what we call the two lost sons. And yeah. so this parable follows those grace parables immediately.
0: Yes. In Luke, it's chapter 16. It's often referred to as the unjust steward. It does come after that parable that we unpacked in, on the podcast that we, some people refer to as the prodigal son. And it also comes before the parable that we've already talked about dealing with an unjust judge. I think at the core of it, man, if I had to summarize what I think it offers us is, I think it's a story that Jesus tells in which he invites us, helps us, you could even say, find freedom. Uh, from a very false idea of what a Messiah really is and what he's really like. He, um, Cause it's pretty mind blowing dude. When you start to press into the story, exactly what Jesus is saying. And there's a reason why people say it's incomprehensible. There's a reason why you never hear it taught in churches. Dude, I was in ministry for years and years and years. I've never, I've traveled, I've spoke, I've heard other people speak conferences, seminary, all that stuff. Right. I've never, ever heard anyone ever deal with this parable ever.
1: What I like to is we've already done the unjust judge where the Christ figure in the parable is an anti hero. He's a yeah. shady, he's a shady type. Right? <laughs> right. And I think I'm glad we did that one prior to this one, because in this parable who we're going to present as the Christ figure is even shadier than the unjust judge. Yeah. This dishonest manager. And Thank God, right, we're going to see at the end of this thing, if it's true, if like what we're really saying is true, like I know it's true, according to the story of Jesus, and what he right. did in the world and his dying and rising. Um, but if this parable means this, which, you know, I'll, I'll put money on it. Um, yeah, dude.
0: We're going to I'm be gonna very, on my cards on
1: it. Yeah, we're going to, we'll be very, very thankful. Uh, if you're honest with yourself, that God has presented himself to yeah. the world in such a way um, like this dishonest manager. So let me just read really, really quick, just so this can kind of like sit in our brains a little bit before we dive into it. This is kind of like just a two sentence summary, just to wet the appetite as we dive in. Here's how I would describe the parable. Turns out that God decided to introduce himself to creation as a shady owner of a debt consolidation business rather than the upright bookkeeper who demands every penny of what we owe. And as it turns out, as disreputable debtors ourselves, we'd rather buy from the trunk of a car in an alley than full price in a store.
0: <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what he <laughs> owed, tax, dude. I can see like old me, man, even present me at moments and, and lots of people that I know and love and care about who would say, whoa, uh-uh, stop that. No, uh-uh, no. That is not what God is like. That is not what Jesus did. Yeah. But it's like, ah, here's the story, man. And God is we- holy. <laughs> he is from eternity
1: past. He is omniscient and omnipresent and all the other omnis you can think of. Right. Um, what do you mean? You're trying to paint him like some dude in a long trench coat who's got watches hanging on the inside, trying to sell you a fake <laughs> Rolex on the side of the street. And to which I would say, Yes. Yes, that is exactly what God in Christ is doing. And if you are honest with yourselves, you'll be thankful that that's how he has presented himself to you.
0: Yeah. Just, so just to be clear for me, like pressing in on this, on the front end, you find yourself really wrestling because there's a couple of interpretations, man, That you know, it can go a couple of different ways here. Um, and again, we're not saying we arrived, but I do feel like when we interpret it through what Jesus has been saying for seven chapters, right? when we interpret it in light of what the story that it follows and the story that follows it, it's very much in sync with what Jesus is declaring about what he's actually like and what he's really doing on our behalf. Mm-hmm. So as frustrating. It is. It's one of the most life giving parables in the scriptures.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so man, go ahead and read it, dude. You got it in All front right. of you. Let's I do. read it and just let's unpack this bad boy.
1: I do. All right. Luke 16, one to eight. There was a rich man who had a steward and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And he called him into his office and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your stewardship for you can no longer be a steward. And the steward said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the stewardship away from me, I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that people may receive me into their houses when I am put out of the stewardship. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest steward for his shrewdness for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Oh, you're like, what the, what the cra- he goes He goes from firing this dude to giving him the employee of the month plat. Like, what the <laughs> heck? So let's just take it verse by verse. So verse one, it says there was a rich man who had a steward and charges were brought against him, against him that he was wasting yeah. um, his goods.
0: So here we have this. Uh, someone snitches on him, right? Yeah, you got like a nameless informant, right? A that's nameless like, informant that, that's ratting on this dude.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it's interesting. The charge brought against him is wasting. Now, what's interesting, interesting. is coming coming on the heels of the prodigal son. the mm-hmm. The Greek word for wasting here—that's the charge against this dishonest master is the same word that's used for the prodigal son who wasted the property of his dad in a far off country. So you're seeing some connection between the prodigal son Luke at the end of Luke 15 um, and this one. And in verse two, he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your stewardship for you could no longer be a steward. So simply on the word of this parabolic snitch, without any real internal investigation or even asking him a question like, yo, is this true? He just fires this dude.
0: Like straight
1: up just cans this guy right in his office.
0: Yeah. It's very, it's kind of the opposite of what you see in the story that Jesus had told before dealing with, you know, what we call the prodigal son, you know, the younger and the older brother, of course the younger brother's dealings at the beginning of that story. But I love that point that you brought up the word wasting, that I love the the master storyteller Jesus uses the same verb, right? In this very next story. Diascorpazon, right? I believe is the actual word. Whoa, um, check you yeah. out, bro. Come on
1: now. I am um, dang, not too many people throw themselves out there with Greek words like that.
0: Well, here's that was here's bold. The thing. That was
1: bold. That was a pastoral moment. That was the hashtag pastoral moment, right hashtag there. Hashtag pastoral moment. <laughs>
0: there it was. Um, also, as some people would say, very a very, very southern moment, in which case you're like, I don't know if it's pronounced this way, but I don't care. I'm only You get a pass because you here are it southern. is. <laughs> so, but it is the same verb. It's the same verb that you use you know, as you already said, man. Like the younger brother wasted all that he had. Well, same with this dude, man. He he wastes. That's the issue. Yeah. But like you also said in verse two, unlike the father in the story for the prodigal, the master in this parable reads the steward, you know, his cap says the riot act. <laughs> I yeah. love that phrase, the riot act. No trial, no plea deal, just an immediate death sentence. Yeah, just done. So yeah, so just like the younger brother who found himself at like without everything that he had ever known, okay, um, this steward found himself dead as well. He's mm-hmm. he's left outside with nothing of his old life any longer everything you knew everything you had lost yeah he's he's the equivalent of of literally being dead to everything
1: yeah so let me ask you this have you ever been fired i have i have too when i was very young like one of my like my second construction job i had and it wasn't for like bad performance on my part like we had this other dude come in that we hired and there wasn't enough work for both of us and he was Mm -hmm. like he was way more skilled than I was. And I remember it was a Saturday morning and I got fired like on the front end of the day. I mean, like usually like they say, like best practices is like, okay, fire someone on a Friday because you got the weekend, you just got your paycheck. Right. I got my paycheck the day before I'd come in because we needed like to do some extra work or whatever. So it was almost kind of like overtime. I'm like doing this dude like a favor because he wanted to get this done. I wasn't obligated to do it. Um, and he was like, hey, before we start today, I just want to let you know uh, I'm, I'm letting you go. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? He goes, like, yeah, if you like- want to finish out the rest of the day, you're welcome to. And I'm like, nah, I think I'm going to take my tools and go, home, man. But I remember like, just I'm- being so shook by that. It never mm-hmm. happened. You know, and I kind of went through this, like I was bummed out the rest of the day. And I started going through this like existential kind of crisis Kind of similar to what this dude's going through right here in verse three. And the steward said to himself, like, well, what shall I do since the master's taking the stewardship away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. It's like this guy starts going through this existential like moment, this meltdown. Yeah, and realizes he can't, he can't go into the trades because he's not strong enough. And he's also too proud to beg. And the only thing I thought of after this was one, the moment I got fired. But I was like, I thought of I thought of this is probably what a worship pastor would say to himself. He got <laughs> fired from his job. And because oh, man. He's Like, man, all I know how to do is play these worship songs and run pro presenter. Like, what the hell am I going to do in the real world?
0: Oh, man, that's hilarious. And shout out to all you worship leaders. We We love you.
1: We love you, but seriously, don't lose your job because it's gonna be hard for you in the real world.
0: Yeah, no, I've been there. I got fired young too, man. I was, I think I was like seventeen or eighteen, working at a at a restaurant. We had a, a new manager was like right out of college, man, and he was just like basically just like kind of like a tyrant, like trying to just prove himself in the restaurant world at a young age. So I invited him out back to deal with it. To deal with things and apparently if you do that like they let you go but yeah, um you
1: can't be uh wanting to uh fight your boss
0: no, no. but i remember like it's frowned upon in corporate america yeah you have that legitimate like oh crap you know what i mean kind of moment and then dude i have worked in a company with you know two little ones at home when i was a, a machinist prior to when i went in like full-time ministry
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we uh i was working for a company that went under and there wasn't like this severance package, man, or anything like that. It was, yeah. I mean, it was like, hey, uh, by the way, um, probably like within the week we're gonna be done. Mm. You might want to find more work. And I'm like, bro, I got a mortgage, I got a car payment, you know, I got mouths to feed, right? And that was a like a scary, scary moment, man. So you start you start racking through your brain all the different things that you can do. And I think what we see in this story is this guy's like, all right, this this tyrant man, like without even a, you know, without even a trial just fires me on the word of some rat. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm going to get creative, man. I'm going to outwit this dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to figure out how to eat and live indoors because <laughs> I, I ain't got what's needed. I don't have what's needed, you know, within me, whether it's yeah. age or whatever to go out and try to earn another living somewhere.
1: Yeah. So he definitely I'm- makes
0: this like plot, man, to, to outwit. Out with this this master.
1: Well, up until this point, he's kind of represented this like penny pinching, like rich, like Mr. Potter type. If you're uh it's a wonderful life, you know, if you're familiar with that movie, which most people are like it's just this like real rigid dude who is very much on his bookkeeping vibes. Like this guy will not stop until he gets every last penny of all of his accounts past due. And he's represented this guy. So now he's got to go live among these people who he's been collecting, like basically rent money and debt money from. And he's like, well, how in the world am I going to fit in? How in the world Mm -hmm. am I going to be received and embraced and welcomed and liked among these people? Because that's the key up until this point, I represent
0: someone on the basis of you owe every penny. Hmm. and now he's wondering how am i going to be received among these people but now he's even lower than them because he doesn't even have a job right people who do owe a debt that they cannot pay mm-hmm. and now i'm in a position of like you said being lower than even them bro when you start to see that it's like i don't know uh-oh uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, each other is is back at it again, bro. It's like it's kind of sounding like my man hit. himself right here. Everyone's a hit, dude. It's like mm-hmm. there's no song in the album that you have to skip. Sorry, I I got a little animated there because that oh, no, and I mean, dude, dude that was that was exciting.
1: Do you want to sit and like just say, okay, how are we seeing Jesus in that? How are we seeing? Yeah, I mean, us? no, I think we
0: can. I think we could keep moving, man. But that was like the first like whoa bro, row. Here we here we go, kind of moment. Cause you know, he he goes and settles right all the accounts as you've already read at a considerable write-off.
1: Slashing prices, dude.
0: Like beyond slashing prices. I mean all the way down to like somebody's only coming up with like a fifth, you know. So considerable write-off. And this can be good or bad for him in a couple of ways if the master remembers exactly what he's owed to the penny, he could be furious with this steward's dealings in the back alley, out of the trunk of a car, right? Handing people full receipts for something that they have not been able to pay. All right. But if the tenants see his efforts as a favor to them, for a guy who's just as broke as they are. Okay. They, they could give him a place to stay. Yeah. This dude, <laughs> you know, it's like, I could get in good with this or I could find at least some free room and board, man, by working this thing out among these people. Right. Yeah. He's doing you. Yeah. You can see it as he's doing some real
1: serious PR yeah. work on behalf of way to put it parabolic, you know, this parabolic yeah. Mr. Potter. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> But either way, what he decides to do, um, unsanctioned, he's not even working for this boss anymore.
0: Yeah, he's, he's been rep- fired.
1: He's representing him publicly, but technically he's not supposed to. So this yep. is real shame. His representation People get put in jail for technical. stuff like this. This is a white collar crime right here. Dude, too good. This is a white collar crook. <laughs> In a right? blue-collar world. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. again, hey, what do you owe? 100 measures of oil? Cool. Sit down quick. Write at 50. How much do you owe? 100? Yep. Take your bill. Write 80. He's just slashing prices.
0: Yeah. And however you see it, you know, just to be clear, because, you know, people have really wrestled with this parable for two, 2,000 years. You still have to deal with verse 8. Right. You have to deal with verse eight. And I think that's kind of like, that's the kicker, man. Somewhere between verse two and verse eight, the master went from an unforgiving merciless tyrant to this fun loving guy who was just happy to jump on board with any deal that comes his way. (laughs) He accepts this whole shady deal, man. Quite the turn of events.
1: You go from being fired, like I said earlier, yeah. to employee of the month plaque. Right? Brings you up in front of the whole entire whole entire staff, tells the story, shakes your hand, gives you a hundred dollar gift card to your favorite restaurant, <laughs> makes you the employee right? of the month. <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> it's too good. So who are the debtors in the story?
0: Well, um, I think that one's pretty that one, that one's definitely.
1: That was not Simple. up for debate. Right. That's, that's a yeah. pretty easy one, dude. It's yeah. me, bro. I'm in, yeah. I'm in, I'm in debt. I am not an upright person, man. I got skeletons yeah. in my closet. I'm not a good husband. I love myself. I do a lot of stupid stuff. I heard a lot of people who are close to me who I should love uh, in the name of my own comfort. Like, dude, and I'm, mm. I'm not the only one on this podcast that does stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Because sometimes we not have to guests. Your
1: sin, not to confess your sins for you.
0: No, that's fine. Because I was just going to say like we have guests who have come on you know before. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: And but, I mean, those moments, <laughs> you've not been alone. You found solidarity. I am and, not a uh, reputable person. If you put yeah, my I, record
1: under a microscope, I am not a reputable person.
0: Yeah, and if we're honest, man, like you don't even have to put it under a microscope. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, it, you, me, a yeah. you can yeah. see it from a plane. Yeah, you can see it from a plane. any of us. My suits. neighbors can definitely hear it because I yell yeah. really loud sometimes at their kids. Yeah, I think one of the things that I keep trying to remind myself of is, and we've we've alluded to this a couple of times, man, but when you look into scriptures, we see it all the way back in the garden. You see this, uh, this, this belief that there's something better out there that we're missing out on. There's something beyond God somehow. And our humanity is somehow a problem that we need to overcome. And so we grab this myth of independence and this myth of progress and this myth that life is something we achieve. And we literally deny our very life. We lose our very life, our very humanity and trying to overcome it in the name of something better. Yeah. And what we see in the scriptures is that God showing us, what he's like in the sense of, yes, he is perfect and righteous and holy. Like that's not changed ever. And, and, and I think what we see is like, and it's so far beyond anything we can even grasp. But So when we look at our lives and all that we've done in the spirit of independence, even the good stuff, right? All the stuff that's praised today is oftentimes just our own spirit of independence and our own pursuit of, you know, our own glory and justification from our, from our very arrogance, man. It's, it's not, it's not anything actually good. Mm. You know, the way I heard it the other day in a show that I thought was just spot on is this person was arguing for all this progress that they're making, like in the, in the department in LA and the police department and her girlfriend looks at her and she's like, it's, it's not progress. It's not progress. It's called politeness people are being forced to be polite today. That's all the same feelings, desires, fears, frustrations, hatreds, all that. Yeah. It's all still there. Yeah. And I think, so when we start to see it through that lens, it's like, okay, so that's kind of what we're seeing. It's not like God's going, you know, i want to just pounce on you because of your brokenness as much as he's like sort of looking at us going, man, do you see all that happens when you choose this myth of independence over the freedom that's found in next word, dependence mm-hmm. and yeah. in a sense we see these stories from jesus in which he's revealing what god's like but at the same time like what god has moved and chosen to do in and through his son yeah out of love man an act mm-hmm. of grace that's a gift that you can't even grasp mm-hmm. to bring us back
1: well to to jump on the back of the of the parable to put it in terms of like maybe a ledger or an yeah. account, just in terms of transactions, what's coming in and what's going out. If we if we imagine mm. ourselves as good people and we want to be out, you know, putting out all this good, right? We have to count the bad too. If you want to play the tit for tat game and you want to count the good, then count the bad as well. If you count it all up, dude, we're we're, we're not in the green. We're in the red, if you're really, really honest. But this rich ruler represents, represents God just in, how would you even say it? The bitter reality
0: of what you owe. Which is actually right. Which is right. Like it's, yeah, that's, I right. think that's what you're getting at is, you know, the bitter reality of what you owe. And we can throw into this, what you rightly owe. Yes. And justice would be that you pay fully what yep. you rightly owe. Yes. Right. So let's be careful what we're wishing for. Right. <laughs> and let's maybe stop and start to rejoice and find life and what we could be grateful for instead. Right. And, and I think I, that's what he's showing us, man. And I think today,
1: this, um, this rich, this rich man, this Mister Potter type, is this is the prevailing view of God in our culture. Yeah. That to come yeah. to him means I need to come to him with um, with a good reputation, with a respectable record uh, to clean my act up uh, that maybe I used to be a sinner, but I'm not anymore. I'm on a better path. I'm moving upwards. I'm moving. I'm moving forward in mm-hmm. God's name. I'm becoming the kind of person um, I know Jesus had to die for me 10 years ago but man, I really am the kind of person that I don't think he would have to die for anymore. He's patting Maybe like a hammer on
0: the thumb. <laughs> yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? Something like that. Like a hammer on the thumb. A is slap all on really the wrist, to, right? All you really have to endure for me now. He needed to die
1: for the, you know, the year 2000 version of Tony. Right. Probably just a yep. slap on the wrist
0: for the 2021 version. Right. Me. Which is such a slap in his face, man, when you think about it. Yeah. Like what we think is something good that he's rejoicing in is actually just an affront on him entirely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, dude, I would agree with that. And I think the only way to, to interpret this parable is to see it in light of another parable that Jesus told about the unforgiving servant. I know that's something that you've read up on something that I've read up on, but I think that's kind of where it starts to move and you start to see all this sort of come together, which is a parable that we have unpacked just a few episodes ago. Um, And that parable forgiveness flowed from the top down, right? You've got a master who's owed millions. He chooses to drop dead to it in hopes that this guy would rejoice in this reality, this bitter reality that he owes, as you brought up, right? Mm -hmm. Rightly owes that he would rejoice in that. And in that stop running around and hitting up everybody for the 10 bucks that they owe him. You know what I mean? And shaming and shunning all of them in the process, you know, of of that, uh, and of course, as we see, you know, in, the, in that parable, he's he's pretty blind and pretty forgetful of what it is that he's actually been forgiven of, and therefore does not forgive much. In this parable, forgiveness works not from the top down like it does in the unjust. Yep. Um, I'm sorry, in well, the, the unforgiving, unforgiving servant. servant. Yeah. Right. In this parable, forgiveness works from the bottom up. The master in this story starts out with a demand for all that he is owed, and an unwillingness to drop dead to it. The steward, however, does die. Yeah. And because, and I wrote this down, this is a quote from Capen. And because he is freed by his death to think things he could not have thought before, he is the one who, from the bottom of the heap, as it were, becomes the agent of life for everybody in the parable. Dude, he's the least he of becomes all, life. He's the most desperate. He becomes life. He's able to think in a way that you couldn't think by all, by trying to hang on to this life, by trying to really grab onto this thing, but instead by being able to let go, to die to himself, as Jesus would say and call us to do, he's able to see something entirely different. And so he becomes life from the dead for the master. This guy who was a relentless bookkeeper becomes someone who starts to sit back and just laugh and enjoy what's in front of him and just let go of the whole thing. He also becomes life, right? For all of the dead tenants who owe a debt that they cannot pay. Mm -hmm. And here's the key, dude. He becomes someone they can identify with, which is what we alluded to back at the beginning of the podcast. He becomes someone they can approach since he's just as broke and just as much of a shady crook as they are, dude. (laughs) So when you mentioned a minute ago, how like society has this picture of God that's told at the beginning of this parable, And that's all they're hearing. They're not hearing what he's moved to and what he, what he goes on and does. They just hear that man. Mm -hmm. Okay. But check this at the same time. I feel like society is only hearing this very false sanitized version of Jesus. So they're getting this one picture of God without all the rest of his character and what he's gone on to do for us. And at the same time, yeah. They're only getting little snippets of Jesus that are all like yeah. neat and tidy and respectable, which is the total opposite of what Jesus actually is.
1: Yeah. Jesus is represented as the one who helps you get your finances in order. Yes. He helps you work on your ledger to pay your money back to become the kind of person that no one would
0: have to die for and who's nope. not indebted anymore. Dude, you can follow Clockwork Bro and mega churches. I've, I've been there, work led, all that. You've, been, you've done it too. We've seen it. February, every time we're doing a series on family, love, family month. Yep. Right. It's just a given. Then you've got another month that we always set aside to like relationships. Then you've always got a month that's set aside for like mission and going and getting after it. Cause it's September and we're all amped up and ready to go. Well, that's when you start like your new, like
1: push for like small groups and community. Yeah. Cause we're back in the rhythm. We kind of take, we kind of take the summer
0: off, you know, a little yep. bit, do a little, bring in some guest speakers, do some fun stuff. November, bro, we're going to be hitting like thankfulness, man, the whole season of Christmas, but come January one, dude, we're hitting a series on finances because your tax returns coming soon. Yep. Jesus is literally painted as like this wonder working dude who comes in and helps you live this respectable life. And yet we look in the scriptures and we're like, yeah, he wasn't respected. The Christ figure in this parable is the shrewd steward. The steward, like think about this. Jesus, like the steward, dies and rises. In his death and resurrection, he raises others. And as I've already said, he's not respectable. Sounds no. like somebody else I know. Yeah, it's a parable. Why... Is literally, it's literally Jesus announcing to a world of wannabe winners, grace cannot come through respectability respectability only gives credence to progress and performance and success and achievements in life. The winner's circle is the only thing respectability gives credence to. Okay. The winner's circle. It won't have anything to do with losing. It won't have anything to do with death, which is sad because grace only works through losing, which is what Jesus is showing us here.
1: Yeah, and it's not like we need to choose a path. Yeah. Okay, do you want to be a winner or do you want to be a loser? I would say we love to act like winners, but in reality, do we owe 100 measures of oil? And nothing's going to yeah. change that. We can act like we're not, and we can act like we're something different. But mm-hmm. the truth is, is that's who we are. And so we can't pay full price. No, we don't have enough in our count. We cannot deal with this rich man on the merits of just everything as it, as it is. No, no we can't you're... do it. We need to be cut a deal, bro. Yeah. We need the righteousness of God, the forgiveness of God to be dealt to us on the black market out of the trunk in an alley. We can't afford full price. And as shady sinner types, we need a disreputable representative. Someone like us, someone who <laughs> understands our situation, someone yes. who can cut us a deal. Yeah. And this is yes. what we have in this dishonest manager.
0: Yeah, we have a, we have a Jesus who is not respectable. One who hung with the riffraff. One who, who broke who the ate, Sabbath. Yes. Broke the Sabbath. Yeah. Ate with the canceled. welcomed the prostitutes and the dealers mm-hmm. and said, you belong. And I belong to you. And then went on to die as a common criminal, bro.
1: It was not until this steward died or was forced away from being the right hand of this rich dude to figuring out a left-handed way to make himself acceptable among people yeah. who he now looked like.
0: Yeah. A power that looks like losing, mm-hmm. a power that looks like weakness, left-handed. But yet it's so powerful that evil itself cannot undo it. Christ died for sinners. Done. Yeah. You cannot take it back. That is who he is. And that is what he's like. And that is what he's done. And when you really have grabbed on to the brevity of your situation and mine, and start to see that the humanity that you're looking for, the very life that you're longing for is found in him who is life. Your humanity wasn't something you needed or I needed to overcome. Mm -hmm. Okay. Humanity is literally found, enjoyed, experienced, lived in dependence. It's when we think that it's found from independence that we lose our very lives that we're looking for. We literally fail to be human. And so seeing this, knowing this, God has done all that is needed to bring us back. But, and there's the, that's the but, you've got to see what it is that he, what he's like, but you also need to see what it is that he's done. And until you're willing to let go of that imaginary winner circle that you think is going to be yours or needs to be yours, you'll never actually Live. That's what Jesus is showing us, man. And some people hear that and they're like, I don't know if I like this, man. Like if if this is what Jesus gets painted as, which I think is why the church has worked for freaking 2000 years to sanitize his message. Mm -hmm. They they think like, man, this kind of perception will lead to lawless living. And and therefore like we, we, we need to make this neat and tidy, but (sighs) if that's you, man, and that's me, and I've been there, and there's times that I get there, just to be clear. Then you got to know that, that you're in good company with a group called the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawyers, the religious upright that plotted Jesus's murder. And John, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then it goes on and says that he who was among us, that his very own people did not even recognize him. They didn't receive him. They didn't receive him. They had everything backwards. And if that's us, man, if we're not careful, we're literally going to lump ourselves right in with them in the name of what's good and needed and what the church needs to be and become Like, dude, what the church needs to be is broken because that's what it is. Broken people learning to trust in God's boundless love and therefore able to love and accept all people and invite them into the journey of trusting in this reality. Yeah, we were looking for
1: God to show up um, like a businessman with a tailored suit, tie perfect, every hair on his head placed, uh, cufflinks, dialed in, matching socks, nice pocket square, who showed up with a smile and a handshake and a briefcase ready to, to do business in the most reputable, honest, fair way. Instead, we got some 33-year-old dude wearing a hoodie in a back alley selling bootleg Chinese DVDs. (laughs) And if you were freaking honest with yourself for one second, you would say, I can only do business with that dude in the alley. Yeah. Because I cannot hang at the table of this rich dude who demands every penny from me. I no. don't have it.
0: I don't have it. Nope. It's, uh, I guess you could say that luckily for us, thank God, you might even be able to say, yeah, <laughs> we don't have to deal with, uh, we don't have to deal with a just steward. Yep. Instead we get to find our only hope, which is the workings of an unjust steward. Mm. We hear a lot, dude, about how, you know, Jesus came to identify with us and how he, he knows our pain and our struggles. He knows our humanity. He knows what it means to fear and to doubt and to be hurt, to be angry, to be abandoned, which is all true. Amen. Um, but I think we, we, we miss when we skip over this parable is we miss the fact of how Jesus also portrays himself in a way that we can identify with him. Because oftentimes what I see in the name of church, man, which is is sad, is is the constant handing out of a Savior people cannot identify with in a life that they cannot achieve. It's like a constant call to a life you can't achieve, and the constant presentation of a Savior you cannot identify with, and the constant pushing of what a Godfather is like that you don't even want anything to do with. Can't relate to it. So everything we're doing to try to help people is actually working backwards, which is probably why it's the religious upright that normally gather around this. And the vast majority of the world that's realized, dude, I'm a failure at worst and a fake at best mm-hmm. that never actually comes to the party, the party that's for them. Right. Be- just because of how, how he's presented when we offer these sanitized versions of Jesus for free of that, man. Let him speak for himself, because when you let him speak for himself, it leads to every single thing that every single human is longing for, but cannot find in this world apart from him who is life.
1: And the only thing I'll add to that is don't be surprised when people balk at this or get angry at this, because... When Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and heavy and and have heavy burdens of religion, come to me, you're going to find rest for your souls. There were people who thought they were just crushing it. It wasn't a heavy burden. They didn't come to the end of that rope yet and realize, dude, I just can't do this. Like when Jesus says, I've come for one sick person, not 99 who don't need a doctor what he's saying is that the majority of people are going to see and think that they don't, there's nothing wrong. It's a rhetorical question. I'm good.
0: 99 don't need repentance. We're like, exactly. Those 99 don't, but they haven't, they
1: haven't come to see that yet. They haven't come to see that yet. And so to the, to most people, this is just going to be foolish, man. Right. Yes. Yeah. Lark exists. I think for those who their eyes are wide
0: freaking open as to like who they really are and what he's done to meet us right where we are and bring us home. Amen. Don't get any better than that, man. So until next time into the next parable, I say, cheers. cheers.